Hey, the Washington football team that classified best podcast that's out there. You know we got some good people like Eric and Ellie, they on there. We know Washington football team, the best team out there, and we don't care. They used to talk about how we ain't make it to the players, but boy, did y'all go there? Let's talk about Chase Young getting them sacks. Let's talk about Gibson running it back. Let's talk about Terry Lawrence scoring touchdowns every time he catching that pass. Let's talk about Rupert Foster, how he's sitting there waiting for somebody to run that slant. Let's talk about Kim Fuller, how many picks he got. Yeah, the boy be still in the pass. Pick six. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Washington football team declassified podcast. My name is Eric. I am here with your normal host, Mr. Ellie. What's up, Mr. Ellie? What is happening, Eric? How you doing? We got reverse roles this week. I'm a little out of sorts. I don't usually bring us in. I'm a little uh, I'm a little terrified. I've got some stage fright, so you're gonna have to help me out here. You have small shoes to fill, so you're all good, man. <laughs> all right, all right. That's what I like to hear. So we're going to be talking about uh, this week. Well, first of all, uh, should I? I'm going to throw it to you for the endorsements because uh, you know that stuff better than I do. Yeah. This is brought to you by. It is brought to you by the now live Grafted app. Shout out to Grafted app. Go download the app. Make sure you get it. Look for any businesses that are listed on there. Shop there. Uh, shout out to everybody involved with graftedapp.com. They have been a good partner for us and uh, we want to be a good partner for them. So make sure you go download the app. Also shout out to our uh, our, the, our intro creator, Tato Ski. He's, he's been all over the place recently creating intros and media content for anybody who does podcasts, especially in the Washington football team market. He gives good rates. Make sure you go check him out as well. His Twitter handle is at Media Ski and that is Ski with Spell, I should say, I'll spell it for you because it's kind of different. It's S-K-I-I-I. So media, S-K-I-I-I on Twitter. That's it. Let's go. I've had a lot of cool things happen to me in my life, but uh, among the top echelon of cool things is to have my name in a rap song, even if it is the intro to the show, uh, <laughs> which has billions of listeners worldwide. Uh, pretty awesome because uh, if anybody knows me, they pretty much know that I'm not the type of person you would rap about. <laughs> Shout out to Maybe in a diss track. Maybe in a diss track. <laughs> yes. I got the gas face from somebody. But that's about it. We got a diss track coming, or somebody's <laughs> dissing us out there. But. Somebody's dissing us out there. Some other podcast hates us. I don't know why. Uh, I do know why because of me. All right. What are we talking about this week? We're going to be uh, getting into some uh, off season topics because this is like really, let's be honest, this is the really slow part of, uh, of the NFL season. If there really is, you know, a full year, it's a full year long season almost now, and there's so much going on all the time that the only real lull is those last few weeks uh, before training camp. And uh, we're trying to liven it up a little bit. We're going to l- talk about things that uh, may or may not happen in the season to come. We're going to kind of kick around a few ideas. And the first thing we're going we're gonna to talk about is uh, not a happy topic per se, but it is a topic that, uh, that is relevant because some folks, you know, it happens every year. Um, you know, you, you have guys come out of nowhere and you have guys that uh, you expect a lot from that don't actually don't show up and, and aren't quite ready for prime time. So we're going to look into that a little bit. Uh, we're, look at these. we're going to look at, at candidates um, who who we could possibly see regression from this year. It's not a happy topic, and we don't certainly wish this on anyone, but it is relevant, and we should, we should at least, you know, kind of kick it around a little bit. So when it happens, because we're never wrong, um, somebody, you know, you guys won't be so surprised when you see somebody, somebody fall back. So I'm going to kick it to you, Ellie. What is your uh, – who's your most – uh, likely to regress candidate for the upcoming season. So I want to say too, now that I'm not hosting this week, I get to be the heartbreaker that you normally are. And uh, I'm going to start right there because 
the person that I picked to most likely regress, and I want to re reiterate what you said, this is not who we want to regress. This is not a thing we're looking for or cheering for. But I think statistically speaking, the most likely person to regress is Cam Curl. And I hate saying that so much because he was one of my favorite players last year, one of the bright spots on the defense. But when you factor in where he was taken in the draft and you factor how much above expectation that he played, um, all things considered, I think if anybody would regress, it would have to be him because he played at such a high level. I'm not, it's, I hope he doesn't. Yeah, I want to make that clear. And I, I think he, he, there's a good chance he won't. But if it's going to happen, I think it would happen to him. But, and let's also consider what regression means too. Like, I'm not saying he falls back to being a bad safety for us. I just think he might be a little bit more normal than what we got last year uh, because offenses know better how to attack him, number one. Um, and number two, just anytime somebody just plays out of their mind, and the opportunities that they're given, there's usually just a little bit of coming back towards the medium in the season that follows. So I got Cam Curl. Fingers crossed he doesn't, but that's my most likely to regress. Who you got? Well, we should have discussed this early because that was actually my most likely to regress <laughs> as well uh, for most of the same reasons that you just gave. So now I got to come up with somebody really quick. And I have a, I got one or two that I was thinking of while I wasn't listening to what you were saying. Um, and I'm going to go with Logan Thomas as a regression candidate and not necessarily quality of play regression. I think statistically he's going to fall back a little bit. And I don't think it's a, you know going to be a product of him being less of a player. I think just realistically with the added weapons that you're going to see uh, on the team with Diami Brown and with uh, Curtis Samuel coming aboard, they, they picked up Ricky Seals Jones. He's most likely going to play. Um, you're going to see, you know, you've got a different quarterback and I just don't see him catching 70 or 80 passes this year. And if he does, it's, it's probably because something went wrong. So he's a, he's a candidate statistically, at least that you're going to see probably lesser numbers from, and I'm thinking probably in the 50 to 60 catch range and the five to 600 yard, uh, marker. And, you know, he may even get a little heat from that, from fans that are expecting, you know, him to turn into Travis Kelsey, but I don't, you know, necessarily think it's a bad thing for him to aggress. I think it's his regression would be a sign of progress for the offense because he was way too relied upon last year. He's one of the only weapons on the team. You know, what's funny. Uh, that was my backup in case you said cam curl. If you went first, uh, good to see that we're in lockstep. Yeah, we are. <laughs> You're absolutely right though. I mean, the guy just went so far and above his career high in catches that you almost have to expect some form of regression when the offense was as putrid as it was last year at times. Um, and, and now to, to combat that, Fitzpatrick at this stage in his career really looks tight end first. So I could see him forcing regression for somebody like a Terry um, because he's the first look for a quarterback like Fitzpatrick at this point. But I'm, I'm, you're spot on, man. I'm with you 100% with what you said. Yeah, and when you think Terry, regression, it'll be, I think Terry may become a more efficient player. He may get more, I don't know if efficiency is really a stat you can quantify in the NFL, like in the NBA, but his he will get more quality targets, I think, than he did when they were just trying to force it to him because he was all they had. So I think you'll see, you know, statistically, maybe not the high numbers, maybe not the thousand yard season or the, you know, 1100 or the 14 that people are projecting for him now. Um and I don't think, uh, again, I don't think that's a bad thing too. I think it's, you know, the diversity in the offense, I think should help both of those guys a lot, even though the numbers may not be as well. It'll be uh, addition by subtraction a little bit statistically for both of those guys. 
Yeah, man, I, I agree. And that's the thing too, like we can't be stat hounds anymore because we have options and opportunity on offense. I think when you're in a bad offense, you're looking at stats because the ball's usually going to one or two players and they're just killing it for your fantasy team. But the production on the field doesn't really amount to much. I think we've seen that over the history of our team. Not to get back into this Terry conversation, but I think this is going to be so interesting to see with Terry McLaurin um, in terms of what his role is in an offense that features a lot of other options. Since he's coming to the league, he has been the primary option on this team. I know we had a little bit of, a, you know, some other guys that were kind of okay uh, at times, but he has been the guy on this offense, and he's earned that, let me be clear. But now there's other people to get the ball to, so I'm really interested to see how he handles that, and I think it'll be positive, so I don't want to give a, a negative tone to handles that. Like he's going to throw a tantrum, but I just want to see where his production goes at this point. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I don't see, I think maturity is one of his strongest suits as a player. And I don't think he will have a problem with other guys seeing the targets, especially if he's seeing more single coverage than he has in two years. So I think, yeah, he, um, you know, being that Curtis Samuel was his teammate and is his old friend uh, at Ohio state. And um, you know, they've got a lot of talent. I think he's a team first guy. And I don't think, and I, I'm happy to talk about Terry for the whole show. Honestly, I'll just, I love that guy so much. I'll just talk about him. Um, as much as you want to, but yeah, I think he'll, he'll, uh, you, you know, you may see a little bit of a dip maybe in his reception numbers, but his yardage may even increase because he's getting better looks and he's getting thrown open a little bit more than maybe he has. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. I look forward to it. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, those are regression candidates. You got anybody else, you know, on the back of your mind there that might, uh, fall off just a hair. Cause I have one more uh, that okay. I can probably bring up as well. Now you talk me into it. I'm gonna go JD McKissick because he was just such a, uh, a usage guy for us last year. I think Gibson's going to be more involved on third downs. So I see him coming back a, a bit too, especially in the reception category. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to go. I knew you were going to go with, with uh, McKissick and uh, my regression candidate uh, might actually be Brandon Sheriff this year. Um, he's a, he's a, he's kind of a dark horse in the competition, but with the one-year deal, um, the eye on free agency potentially. Um, and the fact that he was an all pro last year, I think he has nowhere to go, but down he's, a, he's a year older, um, and injuries have been an issue with him as well. So he could be a player that we may not be too sad to see go, uh, in 2022. See, I feel like Brandon always responds well to adverse situations. So I feel like he's going to have a really good year. I, I just do because he's a good player. I think he catches a lot of heat because of the contract situation with a lot of Washington football team fans. And I understand that because you want players that want to be here. And to us, he seems like he was offered a fair deal. But I think his play on the field hasn't suffered as much as people think they do. I will say this, though. If he does regress, I'm a little nervous about that because who's there to take over what he does that you have confidence in right now? Yeah, you've got you brought in Eric Flowers, but he made his bones as a left guard. Um, and I don't know enough about the position to tell you, you know, other than it's basically doing everything to the opposite side, which isn't super easy uh, as far as muscle memory goes. But I think they've got some backup options there for him. And, and um, yeah, the, the sheriff contract thing, it kind of it kind of amuses me a little bit because you, people are freaking out over. Uh, you've got radio hosts going on the air talking about how dumb it is and what you would never do that. And why would you do such a thing? It's, the, the football team is there's $17 million under the cap right now. So they've got a ton of cap room. 
you know, they may want to extend Jonathan Allen. Sure. That's not going to even eat up the whole 17 million. Cause they're going to spread that out. It's like, it's not hurting anybody except people's feelings apparently. Yeah. So I don't care about the contract. If he signs for one year, I hope he plays very well. Um, and if he doesn't, you know, it's time to go. It's time to move on. It is, it is what it is. So not a huge deal there. So um, moving on, I think uh, we're going to play a little game this uh, time period and it's called what if, that's because right. we just played what if these guys regress. So we're going to we're going to keep that going a little bit. Uh, we're just going to ask a, a couple of what if questions about the upcoming season and, and see what the other person and we're completely going in blind on this. Um, so Ellie doesn't know what uh, what I'm going to ask him. And I don't really know what he's going to ask me. I got an idea, but um, I'll, I'm going to go first because oh, no, you're going to start. start. I'm going to start. start. I'm going to start. start. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Throw me a curveball. Here we go. Now, I'm going to give you one straight down the middle that I know you're aware of, but Eric, what if the defense regresses this year? Excellent question. What if the defense regresses? Um, so first qualify regresses because if a regret, you know, they were what number three, two in the league last year. I think they bounced so, between two and four. So let's say they were yeah. not in the top ten. So they drop out of the top ten. So if you're if you're out of the top ten as a defense, something went terribly wrong. And I'm going to be honest with you, it would not. It would not, you know, out of the top 10 might surprise me a little bit, but it wouldn't shock me if they dropped to like 12 or 13. And, and here's the reason why. The team won seven, the team won seven games last season, right? Yep. So I'm going to give you a list of quarterbacks who were the primary play caller, uh, primary uh, signal caller and quarterback for those wins. Carson Wentz, Ben Roethlisberger, Andy Dalton, Ben DiNucci, Jalen Hurts, I'm doing this from memory, Nick Mullins, and who's the other one? Ryan Finley. Does that sound like a murderer's row to you? <laughs> and not a healthy Ben Roethlisberger either. He yeah, was this isn't, we're not talking about 2011, 2012, Ben. We're talking about yeah. 2020, should have retired two years ago, Ben Roethlisberger. We're talking about Carson Wentz, who couldn't get out of his own way last year. So, I mean, really, realistically speaking, I think Andy Dalton was probably the best quarterback that team faced last year and won against. And, it, you know, you talk about Finley, they were playing Burrow, and I believe the Bengals even had the lead when Burrow got hurt. And then Finley came in and just stunk it up, and Washington uh, took home the victory. So th that's not a completely fair statement because they really should have beaten Seattle. Uh, with Russell Wilson. They had Russell Wilson bottled up the whole game. It's just Haskins was so bad. Haskins lost that game. Haskins pretty much cost them the Carolina game. Um, there were probably a few other ones that they they really had a good chance at winning that they just did they just didn't really because of the offense. So I don't see it as out of the question that the defense could get a little could not be a top three defense next year. I don't think that's that's out of the question because there's they're playing a lot of really good teams. They're facing a ton of really good quarterbacks. Um, pretty much every week they've got a stud quarterback that they have to face. Um, they've got that first place schedule. Um, so, you know, they could drop back a little bit last year. And, and I don't think it's the worst thing if the offense meets expectations. If you've got an offense that's producing 26, 27 points a game and you've got a defense that's top 10, top 12, I think you're in line to win 10 or 11 games. So I don't think it's a horrible. Now, if the offense, you know, if Fitzpatrick comes out and does Fitzpatrick things, um, and Heineke isn't, isn't, you know, the next Joe Montana, like I think he is, um, <laughs> 
then, you know, we could have some serious problems because I don't think that the defense may not be able to carry this team all the way through next season. I see a lot of people on the Twitters and on the social media just predicting like number one defense, number two defense, the front four is un unbeatable. And they just kind of, they're, they're really looking at this through rose colored glasses. There were some red flags last year. Now the defense definitely got better. I think Jamin Davis is a huge upgrade over whatever they had at linebacker last year. The cornerback has gotten much better. Um, so, you know, I think they've improved and I don't think they drop out of the top 10. I can see them being like seven, eight, nine rank though. And I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Cause I think the offense can move into the top half of the league. If you've got a top half offense and a top 10 defense, I think you're going to be just fine. So that's what if the defense regresses. All right. What do you got for me? So my question to you, um, there's a couple of guys that fans have already said goodbye to that. Um, as far as I know, are still on the team. Guys like Steven Sims Jr., guys like Landon Collins. Um, my question to you is, what if those guys blow up next year? What if those guys completely outplay everyone else in their position group next year? What do you do? Oh, that is a great one. And uh, I wish you would have texted this one to me ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what fun would that be? The reality is you, you, you celebrate because – if they're playing well, then that means that there's a, they're benefiting the other positions on the field. Now, long-term for Landon Collins, if he plays well, he's still under contract with us, though I think next year we can get out of it for a lot less penalty. But I honestly think if they really wanted to move on from Landon Collins this year, they would have just done it. So my guess is if he plays well this year, he's going to come back next year and hopefully get the same result. Uh, now, Steven Sims is a different conversation because – He's definitely a threat in the slot if he can play well, but he just is inconsistent. Um, and, you know, his special teams hasn't been up to par with what he we thought he would be from his rookie season. Um, but if he plays way above what his current projection is, I think that means that we're going to win a lot. Uh, and I think, you know, going forward in the future, I think you just bring him back to see if it's if it was a one-hit wonder or if we can really continue to produce, so. So does that mean you, okay, at the safety position, does that mean you move on from Cam Curl if Landon Collins is, comes back as an elite player? No. And for Steven Sims, who do you release? Who 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 loses out? Oh, Adam Humphreys. Uh, you know, no question. Like uh, Adam Humphreys isn't a lock anyway. I'm thinking about if not. there's a lock receiver, if there's a lock on this team. Well, I don't, I, I don't think Adam Humphrey, that wouldn't be too big of an upset. I mean, I think he's going to have to jump ahead of AGG and Kelvin Harmon. Um, so, if, well, so, but we're talking about going into next season though, right? Because if, if we're, if he makes the team well, going into next season, though, making the team means one of those guys is probably not making it. Right. But we can't see, we won't really know if he's playing out of his mind until the season starts, which, which at some point, if he's on the roster, somebody's already gone. <laughs> right. So, um, my guess is what, what it's going to come down to is whoever's at the bottom of the wide receiver roster. Is it AGG? Is it Cam Sims? Is it Kelvin Harmon? Right. And if Sims is playing, uh, Stevenson is playing incredibly well, then one of those guys would be out of here. I know it's not a uh, position for position for position trade um, in that sense, but I don't think you move on from something like a Diami Brown second. You're not doing that. Right. Like, oh, no, no. So it's going to have to be one of the outside receivers that you're going to let go. Um, to facilitate Stevenson being on the roster, but he would have to really play well. Um, so, and as far as like Collins, you know, I don't, I think him and, and Curl are going to be on the field at the same time a lot anyway. I really do. So 
I don't think it's a cut cam curl thing. I think it's probably you say goodbye to DeShazer Everett um, or one of the guys that were, I think what I want to say is guys that beat their projections in the NFL, Jeremy Reeves. I love Jeremy Reeves, but um, what are you getting from him and DeShazer Everett next year? You know what I mean? So you have to see, but it would be more likely in my opinion, one of those guys, maybe Danny Johnson's out of here to make room for, um, you know, Collins to stick around and then you have, because Curl is a, is a dynamic player from what we've seen so far. Right. Um, so he can move around a little bit. So I think you could sacrifice one of those dudes. That would be my guess. All right. So Eric, next question. Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to no more, no more fastballs down the middle. I'm going Randy Johnson, big unit style here. What if Scott Turner is who we think he is as an offensive coordinator? What are we going to do? We're going to find a new offensive coordinator. Uh, I don't know. The is who we think we is. I don't know. I still don't know who I think he is, honestly. I, 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 his, I think his, the, he's got some really, he's did some really good things last year. There, there were a lot of just going back and watching, trying to look through the all 22 and things. There were a lot of guys running open and, there were, and the quarterback play was really suspect at times. So I think that really hindered what he could do. Um, because I think in, in a lot of cases there were there were plays there to be made, and I think he put the for the most part put guys in the position to succeed. Um, but he also made some really questionable play calling decisions, which you know when you think about his dad, like his dad was just that's where he earned his bones was he was play caller, and that was what he did better than anything else. And I don't know that Scott necessarily inherited that based on what I saw last year. Uh, reverse at the 18 yard line comes into mind. I'm never going to forgive him for that. That was the worst play call I've seen since swinging gate, honestly. So um, if he is what I think he is, I think they're going to have, it depends on if Ryan Fitzpatrick is what we think he is as well, uh, or if he's not what we think he is, because I think that's a more pressing question. I think Scott Turner is going to call games like he called them last year. And I think he called games last year well enough in most cases to win. Um it comes down to the execution at, mainly at the quarterback position. So if, if he calls the way games, the way he's been calling games and Fitzpatrick is able to, is able to, you know, prove that he is not, that he has evolved into a pretty good quarterback, I think we'll be just fine. Um, if he's, you know, if Turner, you know, just starts calling reverses at the 18 yard line twice a game, then yeah, he's going to, he's going to have to be replaced. And I don't know if that's Ken Zambezi or if they're going to look outside the organization. But uh, I don't think that's the case. I think Turner just looking back. I was a little, I was a little rougher on Turner last year um, before getting a chance to kind of see some of the, some of the stuff that that they saw. Um, so I've forgiven him just a little bit. He did make some real bad play calls at times, but I think that um, overall he did a he did a pretty decent job. All right, I like it. My question to you: This is uh, not a team-related. Well, it is the team-related question. It's not a football-specific related question. We saw that uh, we now have a co-CEO of the team uh, in uh, Tanya Snyder. She was named co-CEO this week. And my question to you is: What if she becomes the no longer co-CEO? What does that mean for this organization? Meaning, if she takes over, um, yeah. Well, I, I don't think it means much. I mean, it'll be a historic thing, I think, for at least this team. But honestly, to me, it I think she's been pretty involved from the beginning with everything. So what I think it means is it's it's I'm not going to give a, comp a political comparison, but what I, <laughs> I'm going to stay away from that. But what I think it means is business as usual, honestly, because 
like I said, she's been involved from the start. She's very active through the foundations, but also with the team. I think what it means is that number one, something has come out to cause that. But number two, I think Dan Snyder will still be involved uh, with her as the face of the organization, but they'll still be heavily involved behind the scenes. So I don't think it means much to be quite frank. Yeah, I think she, based on the one, the complete 180 this uh, organization's done over the past 12 months, um, there's no way she had, didn't have a huge hand in that. Um, you know, and I saw some stuff come out about Daniel Snyder wanting to be more involved with the team because he, he wasn't around enough. Um, that to me seems like he's just like a PR thing, like he's trying to save a little face. But I really think she's been, she's been the driving force. And I, I've heard nothing bad about her. Um, but then again, anybody in the media that would say something about, you know, uh, a woman who survived cancer and has done so much, uh, you know, with her foundation work, anybody, no, you can't say a bad thing about her, even if there are like terrible things to say, I, you know, uh, not that there are, but uh, I don't think from my perception of her, I guess, public perception of her is that she seems to have a really good head on her shoulders and she might be the kind of the driving force behind what's been happening over the past year and a half or so anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we've certainly changed directions and then complete about face and credit to Ron Rivera for that. But I think you're absolutely right. She definitely has a hand in that. Eric, what if Kyle Allen plays like the best quarterback in camp? Um, I think that Ron Rivera is a man of his word and Ryan Fitzpatrick will still start the season. <laughs> um, no, I think whoever, yeah, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is, is 95. I think I said last week or last, last podcast, 95% chance Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starter. 5% it would be if Heineke outplayed him. I suppose Kyle Allen could come out and outplay them both. Um, I think he would have to significantly outplay Ryan Fitzpatrick to beat him out for the job. But I think that he could very easily beat out Heineke for the backup job. If he proves to be uh, the better quarterback in camp, uh, he, he could go into the season as the number two and the first guy off the bench um, if and when Fitzpatrick uh, falls apart. Um, so, yeah, I, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. Um, I know Ron Rivera sees something in him that most of us don't see. And I think he would stick with him. I don't think anything would be, maybe he'll play well enough in the preseason that somebody will want to offer a conditional late round pick for him. That would probably be the ideal, <laughs> the ideal situation. So yeah, I think he ends up as if he outplays everybody in camp um, by a wide margin, he maybe could end up as the day one starter, but it would have to be just Fitzpatrick tanking. But I think if he outplay, if he's the you know best quarterback in camp by a slim margin, he probably goes into the season as the number two. I think he goes in season number three, no matter what. I, really? I and I, yeah, and I think that there's a good, not a good chance, but there certainly is a chance that he could play like the best quarterback in camp, given his familiarity with this offense. Sure. You know? Now I know they've said that uh, uh, Heineke's been this offense technically for seven years because his college offense was like this a lot. But Kyle Allen is so familiar with everything, and and Scott Turner himself that I could certainly see him looking better than anyone else in camp. Um, but I don't think it changes much. I think the order is, is pretty much set in stone. Fitz one, Heineke two, Allen three. So, Well, there you go. All right, next question for you. Um, I only thought of two, so I'm going to spitball here. What if Washington football team fans could leave RG3 and Kirk Cousins in the past and actually look at who's on the team now what would that be like? Well, you know what it would be like? It would really do a lot to solve our quarterback problem. I think uh, not not on the field, but just in terms of how we approach the position. 
I think we find a need to find flaws in everybody because of that RG3 and Kirk situation. I mean, we had to pick sides, right? It was like, you talk about rap beef at the beginning of this, this uh, uh, podcast, but that's what it was like with, with Kirk and Robert. It was just such an ugly time for this fan base and not something that I miss at all. I don't miss the radio from that time. I don't miss anything from that time. Um, but I think if that, like, if you could just move on from that completely and we could just all root for whoever was playing quarterback, regardless of the name on the back of the jersey, I think it would improve the fan experience so much. Now, to complement that, we have to find somebody who's competent to play the position as well. Because until we do that, there's always going to be this riff of play the guy behind the guy. You know what I'm saying? But just moving on from that situation, not having to see that on Twitter anymore and letting all that go. And I know you saw the tweets today that are probably inspiring this. Yeah, exactly. Was, <laughs> yeah, I actually, I, I, I try to avoid Twitter arguments. I got two this week, but I might have to go on Twitter timeout. One of them was about Kirk Cousins. Uh, and the other was about Michael Jordan versus LeBron because so, there's always a clear winner in that one. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and let's be honest, there was no right answer between those two. That quarterback controversy, <laughs> neither one of them was going to be was going to be the guy. And it was uh, it, we need to leave that in the past and let that die. And I really wish as a fan base, we could just stop rooting for the backup quarterback um, yeah. because we know the first time Fitzpatrick throws an interception you know, Taylor Heineke is going to be, you know, the whispers are going to be there because every, you know, he's got his, his hive, the Heineke hive um, that's, that's going to be there. And then when he comes out and stinks it up, there's going to be people clamoring to put Fitzpatrick back in. And I just wish that behavior is so ingrained in this fan base going all the way back to the seventies with uh, Sonny Jurgensen and Billy Kilmer going through, you know, uh, uh, Jay Schrader and Doug Williams. And then, I mean, even to a smaller extent, now, a lot of people may not remember this one, but uh, uh, late eighties, uh, it was Mark Rippon and Stan Humphreys. There was actually a competition between those guys. Uh, this was pre 91 when Rippon blew up, but um, yeah. So, I mean, and then you got Heath Schuler and Gus, you know, you know, maybe if Washington could stop drafting two quarterbacks in the same draft, it would go a long way towards, uh, okay. towards, yeah, <laughs> towards making that not a thing, but uh, yeah, I would love to see just, uh, the fan base rally behind the guy who's actually under center and just pull for the guy. I really like, and I think this fan base, I think the team is moving in the right direction to get this fan base kind of on, on, on that path as well. If things can keep going in the same direction, just root for the guys that are out there. And if uh, something happens, you root for the next guy up, but don't actively root for your guy for the, you know, the starter to fail so that the guy, so that you can be right on Twitter, I guess would be the best way to put it. Nobody cares, man. As long as the team's winning, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Way to be. All right, my last one for you, man. What if John Bates outplays Logan Thomas this year? Well, um, I think that would actually be a good thing because I believe Thomas was, is this is the second part of his second year of a two-year deal for him, so he's a free agent after that. So if there's a viable replacement for Logan Thomas after this year, then that's fantastic. Logan Thomas can have uh, have a nice life and we can find a new tight end. Um, or, you know, we could have two good tight ends if he decides to come back at it. You know, he may be a little more affordable if he's not the best tight end on the roster. Um, so, yeah, I think I can't see that being a bad thing. Now, unless, you know, John Bates plays or outplays Logan Thomas and he only has, you know, Bates only has 26 catches for 180 yards. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be good. But, you know, if he comes out and, you know, he's the guy that's getting 50 and 60 catches and seven or eight touchdowns and Thomas is getting 35 and, you know, three touchdowns, then I'm all for it. That's great. It, it probably helps this team more than it would hurt it because, you know, it either lowers Logan Thomas's price or makes it replaceable. 
Yeah, I, I don't see any negative from that because you want competition at every position and you want every athlete pushing the athlete that's on the depth chart ahead of the depth depth chart. Say that 10 times mm-hmm. correctly. Depth chart ahead of them um, to be a better player. And I think, you know, Bates has shown some things uh, from camp, but that was or mini camp. But that was mini camp. So you really got to get in the training camp and put the pads on before you really know. I, I the thing is, is like tight end is like the hardest position to really adjust to the NFL um, coming out of college. So I think you're probably not going to see um, Bates outplay Logan Thomas anytime soon. But in the long run, if he does, I think Logan Thomas is still at least your tight end too for the foreseeable future. So yeah, and Thomas playing at the level that he can play at that we know he can play at now just allows Bates to develop. And if, you know, we can't get a deal done with Thomas next year, then you've got a guy who could step in. Um, And Ricky Seals-Jones is here too, who's actually been productive when he's healthy. So um, yeah, I think there's the tight end position is a lot better off than it was last season. For sure. All right. I think that's going to do it because I really just can't think of any more questions for you. Um, So let's see, how do we wrap this thing up? Let me you have been listening to the Washington football team declassified podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at declassified WFT. That is at declassified WFT. My name is Eric. You can get me on Twitter. Cash me outside. If you will at <laughs> E T R O E trod 42 E T R O D four two at E T R O D four two. I am not good at this announcing thing. Ellie, you got anything else to wrap us up? Yeah, make sure you subscribe, leave a comment and review for the podcast. We love to hear from you guys. I am also a fan ambassador dealing in particular with the family part of your experience uh, with the Washington football team and more specifically at uh, FedEx. So um, if you have any suggestions on how to improve the family experience, get at us, email us, wftdeclassified at gmail.com. I will certainly share them with the powers that be. I was fortunate enough to meet with Ron Rivera a few weeks ago. I met with the team again today, and there's going to be some cool stuff coming out about that. We will share more information when we have it. Make sure you guys go get that Grafted app from graftedapp.com or your local application store on your device. And check out Tato Ski's work at Media Ski, S-K-I-I-I. Have a good one, folks.